we, you know, looked at our portfolio and, and I tasked the team with a pretty straightforward question is if we're not comfortable owning some businesses in the portfolio that might be down 25, 30% or don't have the balance sheets to weather of severe economic, uh, severe economic distress, we're out. Okay. We're upgrading. You're about to hear my conversation with Darren McKiernan. This conversation was a short update all about what Darren has been up to over the past five months. We also engage in a new overrated, underrated segment where you can hear Darren's thoughts on the U.S. presidential election, earning season, and some COVID-19 related subjects. I hope you enjoy. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Information relating to investment approaches or individual investments should not be construed as advice or endorsement. Listeners should seek professional advice for their situation. Welcome to the McKenzie Investments Podcast. My name is Matthew Schnur, and I'm delighted to be here with Darren McKiernan. Darren is the lead portfolio manager of the McKenzie Global Dividend Fund. Darren, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks, Matt. Uh, great to be here, virtually at least. That's right. Uh, well, we're glad to have you. And I know that uh, our, our last conversation was a very broad, wide-ranging conversation that talked a lot about your early career and how you approached the markets. Um, what I'm hoping to do today is a little bit more targeted uh, to talk mostly about 2020. Uh, but for those of, uh, of our audience who haven't heard the initial podcast, can you walk them through very briefly sort of what you do and how you approach the markets? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, just just to give everyone some some context here, I've been managing this global dividend fund for McKenzie uh, going on six, just over six years now. And uh, I've been running this exact mandate for what will be 11 years uh, this September. And I'd say the strategy is actually pretty simple. Uh, we want to own a collection of the best dividend paying companies from around the world. That means across all industries and geographies. Uh, we do that by focusing our research on what we consider to be a pretty finite list of companies uh, that hit our quality criteria. Now, we call this our dream team and currently has, I'd say, give or take uh, about 375 names at last count. And then now the fund uh, is just simply a collection of the top 70 or so names that represent what we consider to be the best value or discounts to what we think they're worth. Um now, I, I, I make a few more points. Um, you know, even though this is a dividend mandate, I, I realize that a lot of investors and unit holders treat it as a core a core fund. Now, now, why is that? Now, now I, I'd say you know I mentioned the quality and the dividend focus, but you know we considered ourselves to be uh, called style agnostic. You know, we, we own companies that are considered value, growth, and everything in between. Uh, I've been called the growth investor. I've been called value. A GARP, uh, the re most recent example or, or, or moniker that I've been given is, is CARP, which is a quality at a reasonable price. Oh, um, yeah. And yeah, and, yeah, exactly. I, I'm like, hey, whatever works. Um, <laughs> now, you know, and this is actually, I got I to give um, product, uh, you know, they came, they showed me some statistics not, re not fairly recently that showed that the fund actually did pretty well in, in, in 2016, which was actually a quality driven market. And then last year when uh, quality uh, or sorry, sorry, value driven market in, in 2016. And then last year uh, the fund did well and it was actually driven by quality and growth factors. So uh, I, I guess you try to make it a, a, a fund for all seasons. Um, 
I guess, you know, you, we finally, I'd say that uh, statistically not to, not to bore everybody, but uh, the, the fund has generally over time, uh, the, the long-term statistics have been a 95% up capture and just under 80% down capture over time. So that's, uh, and that's been consistent, not just the last six plus years, but over the 11 years that I've been running this mandate. So, so there you have it. Makes sense. Uh, so focus on quality companies um, and uh, and selecting your portfolio from a, a larger list of, of your dream team. Darren, I know a lot of my clients uh, look to analyze portfolio managers through an entire market cycle. Uh, and arguably in the first five months of 2020, they've learned more than they have for the previous decade, uh, where we've switched from a long sustained bull run uh, to a fairly rapid uh, sell-off, you know, the quickest sell-off in, in market history in many ways, uh, and then an extremely rapid rebound. Love to know what you've been doing in the fund uh, during this time period, particularly how you approached the month of uh, end of February into March, where we saw that rapid decline. Uh, and then if you've changed your thought process or your approach on the rebound in April. Yeah, uh, it's a good question, Matt. And the short answer is we've done a lot. Um, in fact, you know, typically, you know, I've turnover, you know, sub twenty percent on any given any given year, and we turned over almost more than that in uh, the span of like three weeks. So uh, that that goes to show you that we were pretty active. Um, and I, I'd say, you know, our, our process you know, lends itself to being able to react fairly quickly. Again, we like to own things for a long time. I mean, typically, you know, forever is, is, is our ideal time horizon. But because, you know, in the context of, you know, thousands of companies we could potentially own, we're really looking at less than 400. And we follow those companies in, in, in some cases for, you know, I, I, there's one company in particular that I'd been following for 22 years. We, I, I sold it. I was an analyst 22 years ago on the Trimark Fund and, and we sold this company out. And I was able to, I've been waiting for 22 years to buy it back. And, and we got an opportunity in, in, in March. Um, and uh, there's a number of examples like that. And, and, and because the sell-off was indiscriminate, it, it, it wasn't focused on one area. Uh, you know, we've got, we, we were able to purchase companies like Disney, a media company. We were able to buy data service companies like RELX and Volters Kluwer. We were able to buy ingredients companies, a, a couple of financial services companies, Aon and, and HDFC in India, and, and, and a handful of industrials and, and really upgrade the portfolio. Um, but I, I would say because, again, the sell-off was indiscriminate and short and the rebound was also <laughs> almost somewhat indiscriminate and, and fast as well. Um, we're not mm -hmm. all the way there. Uh, we, 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 we've got, again, we've, we've got a game plan. We know where our funding sources are coming from. We know what we want to own and we expect there to be more volatility, uh, coming up, uh, whether we hit that March 23rd low, hard to say. I mean, you, you mentioned Matt, it was, you know, it, it hit almost record, you know, in terms of standard deviations, in terms of volatility, that that you would never seen that before, the more ever. And uh, so, if we get back there, who knows? But uh, we 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 do expect volatility, and and uh, we are we are ready to go, and we know what we want to do uh, when that volatility comes. Makes sense. So, Darren, you you mentioned you had the opportunity to acquire a number of businesses. I'm curious, when did you first uh, begin to think that the uh, coronavirus was going to be uh, more than sort of a localized problem? And what did you do to the portfolio at that point? Yeah, I mean, we were, if you read my Q4 uh, uh, unit holder letter, uh, we were talking about 
this being localized to Wuhan and, and, and where it was being, you know, other areas of the world like South Korea, Japan, where we, they'd seen the virus pop up. We, it was a function of, you know, people having traveled from Wuhan into these areas. So we didn't really start taking it that seriously until sort of call it the second week, third week of February. And even then it was up until like, it wasn't until the third or fourth week of February where we realized like the economies were going to start shutting down. Uh, and so, but we were fortunate in some senses, in some cases, uh, we, you know, looked at our portfolio and, and I tasked the team with like a pretty straightforward question is if we're not comfortable owning some businesses in the portfolio that might be down 25, 30% or don't have the balance sheets to weather of severe economic, uh, severe economic distress We're out. Okay. We're upgrading. And we were, you know, we immediately sold. I still remember this. It was cause it was like literally the week before the uh, OPEC, uh, the Russia and Saudi uh, OPEC collapse uh, discussions collapsed. And we sold out all of our energy names or three of them. And it wasn't, they aren't huge parts, weren't huge parts of portfolio, but, but we did act very quickly. Uh, unfortunately, again, we were, <laughs> I had no idea of, we were certainly weren't thinking that this, uh, this feud, Russia, Saudi feud was going to cause the disruption that it did. Uh, any business that we thought had, uh, you know, more than what we'd call it comfortable debt levels, given a severe recession, we, we, we sold out of. And, um, and then as things started to really progress again, we, we really started to make a lot more changes, um, based on again, companies that again, we've been polling for a long time that we wanted to own and we had an opportunity to buy. And so we, we, we knew, I said, we, we, we identified funding sources and we were able to buy companies that we think, you know, will generate, you know, superior risk rewards over the next, say, call it three to five years. Great. Um, that's, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, one thing that I wanted to touch on is during our first podcast, you had mentioned that you were expecting to spend a lot more time in China. Right. Um, that you thought that China was going to be the source of uh, future uh, dream team companies. Uh, and you were you were looking to spend up to six months there. Um, the world has sort of conspired against you <laughs> as far as that initiative goes. Right. Um, but I'm curious, uh, when, when we take a look at China in the in the overall economy, I mean, there's mm -hmm. there's some more headwinds potentially with the repatriation of supply chains, uh, rumblings of a new trade war. Uh, are you still uh, expecting to, to be able to find those businesses in China? Isn't it still a focus of yours? Yeah. And just, just, you know, it's funny. We were, you know, um, myself and my, uh, my, my partner, we were, we were planning on hitting, jumping on a plane the day after the Super Bowl, And <laughs> up until like literally the week before we were, you know, still right. like, you know, negotiating with getting discounted hotels and whatnot <laughs> while we're there in Hong Kong, as we have it, as, as you know, we have an office out there and going to spend some time with, with one of my analysts out there. Um, but to answer your question directly, you know, we don't think the long term outlook hasn't, you know, has changed with respect to the importance of China. It's still the world's second largest economy that will likely become the world's largest over the coming decades. Um, I think that probably as a reserve currency, the renminbi would, you know, it, it, that it, it wouldn't, it's not. In, uh, in the realm of, uh, I think, uh, I think it's not unlikely that it becomes uh, a co-reserve currency over the next 25, 30 years. Uh, and it's still right. majorly un underrepresented in the, in, this, in the indices. You, you know, it's, 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 it's a, 
something like a 13 or 14 trillion dollar stock market versus the US at 22 trillion and um, or 30 trillion rather sorry um, and it's just being represented so that that hasn't changed at all and 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 keep in mind this is still an extremely important market for a lot of American companies, whether it's Apple or Starbucks, and of course, companies like Taiwan Semiconductor. I mean, these are all businesses that you know, China is going to continue to be a very, very important part of their of, of their future. Um, so the long, the, the short answer is no. I, I still think that, that that's going to be increasingly important. Um, there's going to be, and, and, and don't forget, there could be a new political regime in the White House uh, this time next year. Sure. And we, you know, how, how does that change relationships or the relations with China? Uh, does it get worse? Does it get better? Who knows? Um, but, uh, you know, the, the, you can't fight, you know, the economics, you can't fight demographics. You can't fight the fact that you've got this, uh, this country that's going to be increasingly important to the global economy and whether it becomes, uh, you know, sort of a two sided, uh, call it economy and you've got China, then you've got everything else. Uh, who's to say, but, uh, uh, it's still an extremely important market and will increasingly become so. And, and, um, I think these political rumblings, uh, obviously are important, but I don't think you can't stop what I think will be inevitable over the course of the next 10 to 20 years. Darren, we normally conclude podcasts by getting recommendations. We already got yours uh, last time. So I thought I'd try something different. Um, and it's inspired okay. by a, a podcast I enjoy, uh, which is Tyler Cowan's uh, Conversations with Tyler. And he has a segment that's called Overrated versus Underrated. Okay. Um, so what I'll do is I'll throw out a couple of things. And I'd love your opinion if you think that they're overrated or underrated. All Feel right. free to pass at any of them. <laughs> all right. Can I can I pass it all of them or? <laughs> Just kidding. It, it would make for a fairly boring yeah, segment. Yeah. But you could. All right. Fair <laughs> enough. Okay. Uh, so so the first one, uh, Q1 and Q2 earnings. I mean, we're expecting sort of a bloodbath huh. from from companies. How important are they? Overrated uh, well, or underrated? Yeah, I guess uh, a good question. Uh, overrated, I guess, if you're thinking about what you want to do and or own in the next three to five years. Uh, but I'd right. say underrated if you're trying to make changes to the portfolio. And, and I guess, you know, let me, I, I guess the, the, my, my point there is, you know, we have, a, again, a minimum three-year time horizon. Um, but are also aware that the market can be a short-term discounting mechanism during times of volatility like like today. So I, I've really stopped being surprised by market moves that, you know, would have before made me scratch my head because, you know, a company misses or beats in earnings by a penny or uh, and, the, and the stock reacts accordingly or, or there's rumors of an effective COVID-19 treatment, you know, and then that, the market moves sure. on that. So, you know, I would say that, you know, over the longer term, I think it's, it's overrated, but shorter term, you know, it is, it's underrated. And, and we actually like the fact that it's underrated because volatility gives us these opportunities. Makes sense. How about the quality of management teams? <laughs> um, you know, I, uh, it's a good question. I, I, I always say, you know, the most important thing to anything we own is, is the quality of the business. And, you know, you can't fight economics and uh, Warren Buffett says you want to have a, you want to own a business that a ham sandwich can run because eventually one will. Um, 
uh, you know, sure. because we typically uh, own mid and certainly large caps, uh, uh, you know, the, the, and I'd say we, we own large caps by and large. We do have some mid caps, but, you know, the bigger the company, the more established its competitive position. Uh, you know, it, it, it's a lot harder to screw up, I guess, in terms of just, you know, fatal mistakes. Um, you know, obviously the perfect, you know, we, we'd love to have great businesses run by great managers. And and typically with these large companies, you, you typically get a certain minimum level of competence. But, uh, you know, it's not to say that it's, it's, it's unheard of for bad managers to be running really good companies. But um, I would say in times like these in particular, like I wouldn't want an idiot running Disney right now. Right. <laughs> so, uh, it's, 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 uh, we're, we're, we're always the, the, the default is always look great businesses first, because typically you can replace the great, ma- the, the poor management. And that's sometimes the opportunity. But, uh, uh, so, you know, uh, again, I'd say shorter term, depending on the business, uh, overrated longer term, it's always going to be important. Okay. Um, how about quality of board? That's in, again increasingly important, uh, and I think the yeah. market's starting to become aware of that. Um, I, I would, if you'd asked me this question uh, five years ago, I'd say for sure overrated. Okay, today I'd mm-hmm. say it's it's still a little bit overrated, but it's it's becoming more important. Okay, uh, how about the result of the upcoming U.S. presidential election? Oh boy. Um, I'm going to pass on that one. I think fair okay. enough. I, 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 I don't want to, like, uh, again, it's, it's, yeah, no, I mean, it, it's, it's so, uh, yeah, you know, I think what's going to happen is it's going to be okay. The, leading up to the election, it's going to be really volatile. So I, I would say this, this, if it's going to be more volatile, would I say it's being underrated, underrated, uh, but long, okay. like once we get past the election, I, I think it'll be overrated. The market's going to settle in. I think there's gonna be a lot of volatility moving, going into it. And then once we, you know, the market will discount, you know, start settling in and realizing that, okay, all the changes that may or may not be made, like, like most things when it comes to, yeah. to politics, there's, there's only so much, you know, so much, so much that can be done. Um, yeah, and I think, you know, the, uh, we're going to go back to first principles and it's the quality of the underlying businesses are much more important than whether there's a, a democratic or Republican white house. How about, uh, China's reopening of the economy as a model for o- other countries to, to follow? Uh, wow. we've seen China open up. I'm seeing that there's like 90%. It seems like, uh, economic activity, a lot return to normal, still not, uh, mm-hmm. the people going back to restaurants, uh, that type of thing. Overrated yeah. Or underrated. I, I, yeah. I, I'd say it's fairly rated. I mean, it, I think yeah. it's, okay. it, you know, the, you, you, the more the data points, the, the better. And the fact that, you know, China is giving the world data points in terms of how things may progress, or at least give us some idea. It's not like, we, you know, we've got a, we've got a real life sort of test case going on. So uh, obviously there are <laughs> some big differences between the, the, how the Chinese economy is run and the rest of the world, certainly the West. Uh, but it, 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 it doesn't hurt to have that as, you know, a real living, breathing test case scenario and, 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 and hopefully, you know, we can learn, uh, we being the West can learn vicariously through anything that they do, you know, good, bad, and otherwise. And uh, so I think, I think it's, it's, it's fairly rated. Last one for you, the long-term societal impacts of uh, COVID-19. I'm, I'm reading 
um, maybe in the deeper corners of the internet, you know, no more offices, uh, telecommuting <laughs> all the time. Uh, on the flip side, I'm hearing that there's going to be an excessive uh, party once everything is over because everybody <laughs> needs uh, human interaction. Uh, yeah. What do you think of the the different theories? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I, I you know, I'm, I'm not going to break any new ground here. I think again, a lot of the trends that we saw uh, accelerating the work from home, e-commerce, you know, more flexible sort of work. Uh, you know, uh, home work balance in terms of where where you're actually doing your 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 your, your job. That's that's gonna. I think that's a permanent change, and people are realizing, and companies are realizing, there's advantages to that from a, just just functionally and from a cost standpoint. But longer term, you know, I don't think there are going to be huge differences. I, I, you know, people are we're social animals. I, I believe people are someday going to get on a plane and go to Disney World. I don't think that's going to change. Um, you know, I, you know, you know, the global air travel in terms of miles mileage traveled uh, has kind of grown at almost two times GDP for thirty years. Uh, will that grow two times GDP over the next 10, 20 years? Probably not. Will it grow more than GDP? I'm pretty confident that it will. And again, this is all, you know, if we come up with an effective treatment tomorrow, okay, and, and, and getting a treatment seems to be a much more likely path to giving people confidence that they can go back to work and come go out, you know, go back in the world. I think that that's, it's a, a more clear path than say developing a vaccine, which is a lot trickier. Uh, but once people are right. confident that there's a, a, a treatment available that you're not going to die, right? This is it, right? I, my, my take is people aren't worried about getting sick per se and like having a, a bad headache for a week or a cold. It's like, man, if I get this and, and, and I die, even though it's, you know, if you're below 65, it's kind of almost infinitesimal, but it is, it does happen, right? You, you read it in the New York times sure. every day that the, the example of the 25 year old healthy, you know, individual that, that, yeah. that had to go on an incubator or a ventilator. Um, yeah, I think that's really going to be the determinant as to giving confidence to people in terms of just going back to their sort of usual routine. And, 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 and I'm, I feel good that that's going to happen uh, sooner than later. It sounds like you're saying that the prospects uh, or, or the more extreme scenarios to human change is overrated, uh, but maybe the there will be subtle changes like the mix of work and home and, and that type yeah. of thing maybe appropriately yeah. rated. Yeah, and the long and the longer dur yes, in the longer duration, I think that the more things will revert back to their norm. I mean, this is this is we're social animals. People want to interact. Um, I don't think that's going to change because of because of this in, in in a big big way. I think on the on the margin for sure, but but longer term, especially as we get treatments and vaccines out in the market, uh, that 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 things will go back to normal somewhat. Perfect. Darren, thanks so much for uh, for joining me today. Uh, if you found the conversation interesting or enlightful, I'd encourage you to take a look at both episode one and two of my previous podcast with Darren, where we talk about his early investment career and how he approaches the markets. Darren, thanks again. Thanks, Matt. Have a good day. The content of this podcast, including facts, views, opinions, and recommendations, is not to be used or construed as investment advice and is not an offer or an invitation to buy or sell any security. The content of this podcast should not be relied upon for any purposes and McKenzie Financial Corporation is not responsible for any reliance upon it. This podcast includes forward-looking information that reflects our current expectations or forecasts of future events. 
forward-looking information is subject to risks, uncertainties, and assumptions that could cause actual results to differ materially from those expressed herein. Our views are subject to change based on market conditions. Commissions, trailing commissions, management fees, and expenses may be associated with mutual fund investments. Please read the fund facts and prospectus before investing. The indicated rates of returns are historical annual compounded total returns, including changes to unit values and reinvestment of all dividends or distributions and does not take into account sales, redemptions, distribution, or optional charges or income taxes payable by any security holder that would have reduced returns.